Hey friends, I'm Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from IBCD, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, we chat with Jeff and Sarah Walton about their book, Together Through the Storms, Biblical Encouragements for Your Marriage When Life Hurts. For more help on the topics we discuss today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help, where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guests. Jeff and Sarah Walton have been married for 16 years and are the parents of four young children. Sarah is the author of Hope When It Hurts and blogs at setapart.net. Jeff works in technology sales and spends his free time leading men's Bible studies and coaching his children's sports teams. Jeff and Sarah are members of the Orchard Church in Chicago. Hey there, Jeff and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us for the show today. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Well, before we get started in our conversation, would you spend a few minutes sharing about why you wanted to write this book? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I will give kind of just a really brief overview, kind of flyover of our marriage, which we got married about close to 16 years ago, 16 years this summer. And we uh, entered in some pretty challenging years, not too long into our marriage, probably three years in is when things really started getting tough. But we ended up having some uh, really difficult challenges with our firstborn that started just physical. We actually thought we were going to lose him for a time because of a severe illness. And that ended up coming to where we didn't really know an answer, but he got healed to some extent. And then that increased in symptoms we started seeing in him over the next year and the years beyond that. It consumed my days. I was either dealing with an issue that was happening or recovering from one or somewhat being nervous about the next one happening. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of one element going on. And then I have dealt with chronic illness for um, really most of our marriage, I think. It got definitely the worst started when I started having kids. Um, Just everybody knows that Children, childbearing, and then just having kids increases a toll on your health. And so that started to bring out more symptoms. So chronic illness has really been a battle for us in our marriage as well. It's looked different at different years, but eventually about, I think five years ago, was it that I was diagnosed with Lyme disease? But throughout those years before that, each of our kids, we ended up having four children. Our youngest is six now, and our oldest is 13. And Throughout those years, each one of them started showing various symptoms that were really, we could kind of excuse them at the time, like my daughter had joint pains. We thought, well, she has growing pains. And one would just get super tired trying to go for a walk with the family and couldn't ride her bike. And so we'd just say, well, you know, she's just whining. She's, you know, Mm. whatever it was. But it increasingly became clear there was some real issues going on. She was losing her hair really easily. So long story short, when I got diagnosed with Lyme disease, they ended up testing each of them because unknowingly, I guess I was able to pass it on to them if it was an active infection. Hmm. And so all four of them ended up being diagnosed positive with Lyme as well. And so that's been kind of the last five years of navigating that. It's not covered by insurance. So we, we've lost quite a bit financially through that. And Jeff, which maybe we'll get into a little later, he had been on call most of this time. He was a trauma consultant. Mm-hmm. So he was on call 24-7, nights, weekends, holidays, you name it. And so that 
naturally creates stress in and of itself because we couldn't count on him. And then we had all these other things going on. So the marital stress increased simply through then as well. So anyway, all these circumstances were happening and it ended up really leading to major challenges in our marriage as the Lord allowed years upon years of trials that had just kind of led to marital issues that I think were under the surface. I don't think we had the energy to give attention to because we were in such pure survival for so long. But then the Lord allowed a season of really slight reprieve, just enough to let us feel (laughs) everything that had been happening. And that was kind of the season when eruption of emotions and struggles that we didn't realize was going on, a, a struggle with trust and with resentment and all sorts of things came up in our marriage. And during that time, We were trying to go through marriage books and they were helpful to some extent, but the part that felt like it was missing was addressing, okay, this is what the Bible says about marriage. That was there. But what about when the realities of really difficult circumstances press in on your your relationship? How, How does it change when chronic illness is playing a role? How does it change when there's a special needs situation and you're both drained emotionally and physically? How does it change when you lose everything that you once had and you're both being impacted by that? So we wanted something that was like, how do we apply these biblical truths to the reality that life is incredibly difficult and it's impacting our relationship? So as the Lord brought us really through that very difficult season, and we are still in the difficulty circumstantially, but our marriage really went through a profound time of healing um, that the Lord just graciously gave us. And we're still in that process. I think it's a lifetime process. So this is not a how to have a great marriage book. This is basically, we want to give a resource to those couples that are navigating any trial in life. It doesn't have to be big. We all face all sorts of things. But just how does the nitty gritty of life and the biblical truths that we are given in God's word, how do those two things mesh in a really realistic, practical, um, hopefully Christ-honoring way? And that's really what we're hoping to offer to people, just to kind of give them a piece of what we've gained through the experiences we've had. But we don't want it to be about us. So we wanted to give a resource that really helped people look through the lens of Scripture at their trials and how they're impacting their marriage. So that is our hope. I think that it will come across um, for people. So that's really what led us to write the book. Well, I really appreciated the book. And I was telling you before, I, I just thought that it was so thoughtfully planned out. I felt like every single chapter addressed a specific issue that I am currently going through or something that I had, you know, battled with or had gone through with my husband in particular in the last wow. even just couple of years with the various yeah. unexpected trials we've had that I've talked about on the podcast with our children. And so I just really appreciate that you guys were vulnerable and transparent and yet continue to point the reader to the scriptures to see Mm. where we can really find our hope and help and sustaining grace, you know, that the grace that we need to get through these things, because a lot of times answers, if they come at all, they're very hard to come by. Jeff, I, you know, I'm not a husband, I'm a wife, but I have a husband (laughs) and I and I know, you know, from talking to him, Jeff, I wondered if you would speak to us from the perspective of a husband who is learning to lead his family, particularly through challenging seasons of life or unexpected trials. You know, obviously, when we're going through things that are unexpected and difficult in a marriage relationship, conflict comes, sin is exposed. And so I know that it's really, really difficult. What were some of the things that you think the readers that are husbands or even listeners today who are husbands in particular should be mindful of in terms of how they are interacting with their wife in the midst 
of those really challenging circumstances? Yeah, that is that is a great question. It's it's uh, it's a really hard question from the standpoint of you know even if you have a a marriage that hasn't been hit by many storms or trials, it, it's still such a challenge to lead. And so when you have all of these storms that are uh, kind of layered and, and coming upon your marriage, and for us, that's been you know, struggles when I was on call and, and gone when Sarah needed me the most and coming in and out of the house and not being able to be counted on or just the overwhelming health issues that we've had and the financial loss and, and some of those things. So I think just acknowledging that leading will look different throughout your marriage and it also looks different from one husband to the next. Mm-hmm. For for me, I've certainly felt my my weakness, my helplessness and with just all the swirling things that have been going on in our marriage, often I feel out of control. It's hard to lead when you feel like everything around you is spiraling out of control and so mm-hmm. you're just trying to have enough energy to get to the next moment. And it's so hard to then, all right, be proactive. And now how can I lead my family and lead my spouse and point them to Christ? So I think, you know, one of the things that I guess I would try and encourage your listeners is that first leading does look different for everyone. You know, for example, if you look at just even the simple example of trying to lead your family in family devotions, we'll just take that as an example. So I think the big thing to focus on, even if it's just for the husband that might be paralyzed and just feels like, I haven't done any of this and I just don't even know where to start. I can't even get going. It might be the leading of it of initiating. And so maybe your spouse is a better storyteller or maybe uh, if your kids are old enough, you can include them as well. So around the, the dinner table, it might just be simply, hey, let's open up our Bibles tonight and just spend a couple minutes reading, you know, Sarah, can you read this passage? Or, you know, to my son who's old enough, can you can you read this for us? So everything is not on your shoulders to lead and to feel like you have to have this beautifully orchestrated Mm -hmm. family devotional time. And so Mm -hmm. that can be overwhelming to the husband. I I think if we can peel that back and just look from the standpoint of let's initiate and at least broach this topic of leading, and I don't have to have it all figured out. It's going to look messy. It's going to ebb and flow. It's going to be inconsistent, but let's continue to move forward in that and spend some time trying to communicate with our spouse of how we can, you know, maybe leverage her strengths and let her read more of the the passage or the Bible story to the kids. And so I think that's something that hopefully can be freeing for some of your, your listeners as well. It has to start with, though, admitting our weaknesses and just our dependence on Christ. We won't be able to lead our families well if we're not in the word ourselves being fed, and if we're not praying for God to grow that within us. And so I think we have to start there, acknowledging that we are weak, we are busy, we, we don't have the mental capacity often, we don't have just the strength, but Christ is faithful and he will give us the strength because that is some something that just really brings him glory if we are trying to move toward him and to lead our family in that. As I walk through in our book, you know, there's three things that I kind of want to draw our readers kind of attention to. And the three areas that I point out are to nourish, to cherish, and to adore our wives. And so this is really hard to do in trials. If you're in a trial, you know, I I hope this can be an encouragement and it can be something to continue to pray through and press into 
if you're in a season of reprieve or if maybe you have come out of something, you know, I want this to be something that can be more proactive in that approach as well. So with nourishing for our wife, you know, it is that we are her provider, both for the physical, the emotional, the spiritual. And it's not just providing a paycheck or to be able to do something with the kids, but it's really seeing our marriage let's grow and develop and mature to reflect Christ more. And we see then the perfect model and example of that of Christ and the church and that marriage and and what that should look like. And so I think when we can look at that word nourishing and trying to, to lead our spouse to Christ and see beyond just the physical things as a provider of just bringing home a paycheck and trying to run up the corporate ladder and and try and lead well by gaining success, that's where we kind of get into that trap of we're not leading in a way that might be fully honoring to God. So second, just with cherishing, seeing that our wife is a daughter of our Heavenly Father. Um, So how can we build her up in Christ? You know, it's, it's showing the tenderness and the genuine care and the protection over her. Um, So treasuring her above whatever else we're going through and that you know, we're, we're cherishing our spouse when our heart finds enjoyment in her joys. And so I think that's really kind of that flipping of the, the script in our mind of looking to see what really is pleasing to her and letting Christ captivate her heart. And how can we lead her in that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, I guess I would just say with the adore, we need to see our wife's beauty inside and out. And so dwell on her strengths and what's best. You know, it's so easy to focus on the little nitty things that we can pick about. And then we make those into bigger issues than they should be. And then it leads down a rabbit trail. But really see her strengths and encourage her, celebrate her and see her, you know, as Christ sees her and try and lead her kind of through that lens. I I think those are some of the things that can really help and hopefully can be an encouragement. You know, I love one of the the quotes from uh, theologian Joel when he says, the best gift you can give her is to bring her to God so that she can glorify him and enjoy him forever. Mm. And so when we can start to see that our role as leading is to lead our wife and point them to Christ and to be that reflection of what Christ is through his tender, loving care and protecting her, you know, I think then we're on the right track. Thank you for sharing that, Jeff. I just, I love those points that you made in the book, and I am thankful that you shared them here with the audience. Now, Sarah, there's a moment in the chapter entitled, Only God Can Change a Heart When Your Spouse Fails You. (laughs) And that really resonated with me. I want to share an excerpt from that chapter. Mm -hmm. You wrote, quote, I don't know how long it took me to realize the futility of my attempts to convince him, meaning your husband, to see me in the way that I thought I needed him to. There came a point though when the Lord began to show me that though my desire for healing wasn't wrong my focus on Jeff as the sole problem was while I was trying to open my husband's eyes the Lord was opening my own Mm -hmm. can you share more about the context of this statement and what it has meant for your relationship with Jeff sure Um, honestly I've told Jeff this is probably one of my favorite chapters in the book because I think it was one of the greatest turning points in our relationship And I think that's because Christ used so many things in our life. He allowed them to break down really false foundations in our marriage and start to rebuild on the foundation of Christ. But it took a lot of pain to get there. And I think, you know, we first get married and we naturally kind of look at our spouse as they can't fail us. (laughs) You know, they're, they're perfect. I love them. 
well, real life starts happening and we're both sinners. And so we're going to rub up against each other and we're going to legitimately hurt each other sometimes, but we're also just going to naturally misunderstand each other. We're going to process things different. And so in, in terms of context for that, what had happened is really is the circumstances I mentioned earlier, there was even more going on than that, but those were some of the big things. Jeff had been on call. And so I was at home with battling really difficult chronic illness. I kind of felt fluish a lot, but I had to be many days. I had to be restraining my son. I was often left sometimes hurt. I was trying to protect my other children, also trying to to help my son because he was really hurting inside too. So I was emotionally drained. I was physically drained and I was doing it from an empty tank all the time. Yeah. And then not only that, Jeff would come in the door and I would want to just let down. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> relief, he's here. And then his pager would go off and he'd walk right back out the door. And I would go through this struggle of, I know he'd rather be home. I'm, I'm trying to not be mad. I'm trying to not resent him for this. But I also am feeling like I have nothing left and I'm left on my own to handle this family and the extreme challenges that we were facing. I knew this was a life we had chosen at the time. And so I really didn't want to take it out on him. But I think naturally, just over time, feeling that over and over and over and feeling disappointment over and over and over. And then there were a few times where I was in a really, really difficult situation that I needed him and he ended up having to go to work. It hurt so deeply. Like I, I felt a sense of being abandoned. And I knew in his mind, he was thinking he was doing what was right, but I still really struggled with it. Long story short, when we came to this season, he changed jobs. It was a huge change for our family. We lost the majority of our income, had to sell our home, but we knew we needed it. And the Lord really forced us into that situation for our family's health. But when we moved and he all of a sudden was home, all of this stuff started erupting in me. I, I started feeling resentment and hurt. And I had experienced really traumatic situations that I honestly, I felt angry at him that he couldn't enter into them. I felt it was unfair that I had to carry that pain alone and we were supposed to be a team. And so it felt really wrong that he couldn't, in a sense, bear that grief with me. And so I, I had all these mixed emotions going on. I knew some were legitimate, but I knew there was all sorts of things that was my own sin mixed in too. But I was trying over and over to explain to him, this is what I'm battling. This is where I'm feeling so hurt. This is where I'm struggling with feeling resentful and I don't want to, but I'm feeling like you're not understanding, yada, yada, yada. So these conversations went on and on and there were other things at play. It had affected intimacy for us. I was feeling hurt in certain areas there, but we were totally missing each other. And he was thinking one thing, I was thinking another. So in this context, there was a day we had had weeks of just, we couldn't even talk to each other without emotion erupting. It was just intensity in our relationship, which we had never had. We had never been that type of couple, but it had hit, it had reached that point. And I honestly didn't know if we could heal from the point we were at. And I think he was, he was kind of thinking the same thing. And there was a day after we'd had a really hard conversation and I just felt broken. I felt like, Lord, how can we move forward? If he can't see this, if he can't see me in a way that I feel like I desperately need him to, how can we heal? And that's really when I just felt the Lord open my eyes to how much I was trying to control the situation and change Jeff. And if Jeff would change, everything would get better. <laughs> hmm. 
And it drove me to realizing I was looking for something from Jeff he couldn't give me. And even if he could, to some extent, I was demanding it him to give me things that Christ was only meant to give me. And so it started driving me to the Lord in prayer consistently, just crying out to him and realizing Christ has been with me in every one of those traumatic moments. He has been with me and felt everything I have felt in moments that Jeff will never be able to understand. But he also knows Jeff better than I do. And he knows where Jeff has hurt and he knows what Jeff needs most. And he knows what our marriage needs most. And so instead of braiding Jeff over and over and over, I stopped and I started just taking all of those feelings to the Lord. And I asked him, Father, change me as you see fit. And if you're willing, open Jeff's eyes to what you see he needs to see in order for us to move forward. And if that's not going to happen, help me to rest and trust that you see me. And it was amazing as at that time, Jeff actually was doing the same thing. We didn't know it, (laughs) but we both were, were going more and more to prayer and to asking the Lord to open our own eyes. And it's just miraculous. I mean, it was amazing to see God open both of our eyes to things that neither of us could. Jeff started to come to me asking for forgiveness over things that I hadn't even said anything about and vice versa. And all of a sudden, this just amazing work of healing began in our marriage. And it was still hard. I don't want to pretend like this was this overnight, everything's better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that that's not realistic. But it was amazing for the amount of years that we had gone through how quickly compared to that, the Lord began such a restorative work in our relationship. Everything just became more fruitful. Our conversations Mm. became like, okay, this is difficult. We're maybe feeling hurt right now, but we got further so much faster because we had both come with so much more humility at that point. We realized my spouse is not the only problem here. I am. (laughs) And I need to bring my own heart to the Lord first and then ask him to give us both what we need to come together to navigate this really difficult situation. And that is the reality for all our marriages. We need Christ more than we need our spouse. Christ is the only one that's going to give us what we need the most deeply. But he also wants us to be able to enjoy a rich relationship with our spouse. We just can't get it backwards, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I really resonate with that. Thank you for sharing a part of your story. I think that it's Mm. one of those things that you have to learn as you go. And I think we would all love to just have it be a magic wand. Like you said, as soon as we come to Christ, all of our relationships will be flawless and there's no more conflict. And, you know, at least we're little cherubs are running around our house and they're, you know, but that's just not how it works. And I I also appreciate you acknowledging how incredibly difficult Mm -hmm. that season was, you know, because I think sometimes when we're in the midst of the pain, we don't see the progress. So it's neat to listen to your perspective and to be able to look back and have that 2020 hindsight vision to say, yeah, the Lord was working even on those days where we felt hopeless, even on those days where we felt like, I don't even know how this is going to work out between us. And so it's just a really encouraging thing to reflect on. Jeff, if I remember correctly in the book, so Sarah mentioned, you know, you had this on-call job, you switched to a new job. And then I believe shortly thereafter, there was an experience of sudden job loss, which spiraled you and your family into a really difficult period of waiting and uncertainty. Can you share why you think this storm in particular impacted you so significantly and perhaps even share the biblical truths that ministered to you during that time? Yeah, being on call for almost nine years and then uh, making that 
tough transition and leaving that job behind ultimately because seeing what it was doing to our family and kind of tearing apart both our family and our marriage. Uh, so that was a lot of the feeling led to, to get out of that industry. And so that was really, you know, seeing that as like an act, a, a step of faith that we were trying to, to obey, obey God and to go into a different uh, industry and to have quality of life back and to be able to, you know, even do the simple things of on Sunday mornings, being able to lead my family to church. We had to, when I was on call, we had to drive two cars everywhere because at a moment's notice, I'd get paged and have to have to leave right away to go to the, the hospital. And so that was a huge relief to get a, a new job and felt like God led us there. And it was only a little over a year and a half into that job that the company went through a big transition and was struggling. And then there was a, a large company layoff. And so I was a part of that. And in a way, you feel like a slap in the face because you're trying to obey God. You're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to follow after him and seek his will. And then you see the doors opening. So the door is opening and I took the job. And then not long after, it just felt like I got the door hit me from behind because now I'm out of a job that I thought Christ led us to. And so, you know, for anyone, uh, you know, kind of in my shoes, I would imagine that's that's kind of the similar feelings that I had was, you know, I'm the sole provider for our family. And I wouldn't say that I found my identity in my job, but I'm sure that there were some of those things that I was still trying to, you know, I felt successful and just naturally that was probably an identity that I had just in my work. And so when that got stripped away, it's really then a, a huge humbling event in my life. Uh, you know, at first you don't want to tell anyone, and you don't want to really have that be known, even though it wasn't anything that I did wrong. And ironically, that was back uh, about four years ago. And ironically, I'm in that same situation now. I was in a startup last summer, and that company ended up folding. And so I, I lost my job um, back in November. And so we're again in that waiting period, in that transition. And it's a point where it was extremely humbling to lose the job and now it's been twice and to now see my family on food stamps and to be able to have no income and to ultimately all this earthly comforts and things like that have to be either put on hold or have been stripped away and really comes back to much of the story of Job that we even see. And so Job gets tested by Satan that you only love God because of what he has given you in earthly comforts. And so we see that story unfold where everything is taken away from Job, even to the point of his health, you know, family, his livestock, his job, and all that stuff. So either Job will turn to God or else he's going to turn his back and deny God. Thankfully, we see the model of Job turning to God when he is in the lowest of lows. When I lost my job, you know, there's two directions you can go. You can either turn to Christ and say, hold up your hands and say, I have nothing, God. I am fully dependent on you, or else you're going to fold your arms and take things under your own control and try and figure things out and, and turn from God because you're, you're angry. As we look in Bible and stories that we can see, what do we do in times of waiting? And I think ultimately we need to remember that Jesus glorifies himself in the waiting. And we see this in the story of, of Lazarus in John chapter 11, you know, where his friends pleaded with God to come and help our friend Lazarus, who is sick. And Jesus knew the whole situation. And he even knew that by not coming immediately, it would cause pain, and it would cause grief, and it would hurt them. 
But yet Jesus chose to delay because he knew ultimately that it would bring him greater glory in the end. That is really hard to wrestle with, especially when you're pleading with God to please answer this prayer where it feels like it is honoring God. But I think these, these stories really help us see that if we can hold loosely to whatever we're going through, knowing that ultimately I want Christ to be most glorified, even at the cost of losing something or having it not come for a couple more months or even years or however long that delay is. And I'm in that point again with the job that if Christ is choosing to delay, there has to be a purpose in that. And so if I continue to get into his word and seek him, you know, I think that's where he's growing my heart to become more like him. Um, so I, I think another point then to, to really draw out is that Christ is working in the waiting. Um, there are so many things that are going on that we can't even fathom. And even if Christ told us what was going on, it wouldn't even make sense. So understanding that uh, God is doing, you know, 10,000 things at once that we can only see maybe one or two. And, and then we cling to those that don't make sense. But we need to, again, come back as we see Job does, where Job is questioning God with why is this happening and this makes no sense. And, you know, kill me now is what he's telling God. But then the Lord reveals to him later in Job that all these things about creation that just lift our eyes off of our circumstance or off of our even our spouse, if we're struggling in that way or waiting for something with our spouse. And it lifts our eyes to God, knowing that he is sovereign over all things and that he is trustworthy. So I think while we need to see that Christ is working in the waiting, we need to look back. We need to see his past faithfulness in our life and that he is trustworthy and that he is in control of all the things that are happening and all of the things that are not happening. And so I think that's where we can rest in that. And then I guess probably the last thing would just be that our waiting needs to be active. We're not going to sit back and be passive and wait for God just to plop in my situation, a job in my lap. You know, that has to be pursuing God in his word, also pursuing God in prayer. And then let's take that next step. So actively, what can I do to move forward? And until I hear from God that either he's redirected me or he's closed the door, I'm going to pursue the best of my ability with the wisdom that I'm praying that he would give me and the strength that he would give me to just continue to move forward one day at a time. And so I, I try to just, I guess, encourage your listeners to really lift our eyes above our circumstance and focus on Christ and then to continue to press into him to see where he's leading and just take that next step forward the best that you can, trusting that he is in control and he loves us and will guide us to him. Sarah, I'm also really thankful that you shared about the challenges that come when our children are suffering and how there's a real sense of grief that comes along with that. How does the gospel help us to navigate the tension between the life we hoped to have with our children and then maybe the life that we actually have, which includes their chronic illnesses? Yeah, that's not something we grasp, I think, immediately. <laughs> I think it's a process of, like you said, acknowledging that this is hard and this is not what I imagined life to be. That has come time and time again. Sometimes I feel this and have to wrestle through this day in and day out with various situations. Um, there have been times where I've watched our son struggle that absolutely breaks our heart. And for I, I never could have imagined as a parent to have to watch my child endure what he has to endure 
And then not only that, but it's, it's impacting us. And so we're wrestling with our own sin in that, and our own just disappointment and fears and grief. And so as we've gone through all different types of challenges with the kids and watching them struggle in their own ways, which at times I will admit there have been times where I've struggled with the Lord and I've thought, Lord, why, why are you allowing a child to suffer when they're so little? Why do they have to lose the childhood that I feel like I, I wish they could have? How is this good? And yet, I've, like you said, as you start to apply, what does the gospel really mean? First of all, I think, okay, what do I want the most for my children? Do I want them to have a comfortable, pain-free life and never come to know Christ? Or would I rather have Christ allow what he sees fit in their life if it's going to drive them to him and ultimately save them for eternity? And that's not easy. I mean, as a parent, you you really want to see your children happy, comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't ever wish any pain on them and nor should we. However, if God is allowing these things, then that's when we have to start asking, okay, do I really believe that he loves my child even more than I do? Do I really believe that if he died on the cross for their salvation, that I can trust that he will only allow in their life what he sees fit in order to draw them to him? Do I trust him enough? Do I trust him enough with their lives? And that often means also, do I trust him enough with the pain that that brings me? Because we, we feel that pain as their parents in a way sometimes that feels almost more because we feel so helpless in it. And they look to us for that relief. And that's one of the things I have seen God's grace in as hard as it's been. I mean, I remember a conversation I had um, with my daughter. She was on the couch. She had severe stomach pain. It was something that she had been having frequently, and we couldn't figure out why. And she was laying there, and she said to me, Mommy, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but why did you have me if you knew you were going to make me sick? And you know, first night, my mom heart just like, Ugh, just stank. But it did make me have to, in that moment, wrestle with some really hard biblical truths. And I, I said to her, sweetie, first of all, I, I didn't know if, I, of course, I would never intentionally want to harm you, but I have to believe that I can trust your life to the Lord, that he knows you better than I do, that he already has your days marked out, and that I believe that Jesus gave his life for you and that he loves you so much that he's only allowing this for purposes that may be beyond what we can see. And as the parent looking to their child, these become opportunities to help your children see that you're not their savior. My kids look to me all the time and want me to take their pain away. And I, I say to them, I am doing all that I can, but you know what? I can't know everything going on in you. I can't understand your deepest fears and pains. I can't rescue you from every pain you're facing. But I do believe that God can, and I do believe that he loves you and sees you and knows you far more than anybody ever will, and that he wants you. He wants you to know him in that way. He wants you to come to him and not just look to mommy and daddy to take your pains and problems away, as much as we do that, as much as we are able to. That's kind of one aspect of it, of seeing that God has purposes in our kids' lives, and we have to trust that sometimes those are going to include pain and difficulty and hardship that we need to sometimes give him the space to let him do that work um, in their life. So the gospel just comes back to, in all these circumstances, whether it's our kids or us, do I believe that if Jesus gave his life for me, that he will provide all things that I need in his timing? 
And that has to be the, the lens that we look through our kids' suffering, our trials that we face, the difficulties that are going on in the world and loved ones' lives. We have to come back to that is the picture of God's love for us. We will not always feel it in our current circumstances. We won't always see how he's going to bring good out of things that just seem completely pointless and hopeless in the moment. But that's where the gospel is. That is our sight needs to be constantly fixed on the cross. And if we're looking to our circumstances or our kids' circumstances through the cross, it will always give us a completely different perspective. Jeff, can you take a few minutes to explain the role Christian community played as you walked and even to this day still continue to walk through the storms that you share in this book? Yeah, sure. So that is uh, that is an area that has just been one of the, the sweetest gifts to us when we have been at some of our lowest points. I think practically the way that the body of Christ has, has come around us and the way that it is meant to be lived out in the church, thankfully we have been a part of a a great church family, and we've seen that modeled really well. So there are things that they are just uh, providing for even just the, the basic needs where they've kind of walked alongside of us, and if it's providing a meal or whether it's something that we really need, transportation somewhere, or just lending a hand in, in those situations. Uh, but then also, we know that we have such an army surrounded around us of prayer warriors, and the body of Christ that cares so deeply, uh, and as we let them in, I think that's the biggest part. You know, that's one of the biggest barriers is we are all going through stuff. We all have different levels of trials and different fears and different struggles. And if we're not willing to let those around us in, then we really are are robbing God of the of glory of having them walk alongside of us and to pray, and then to see God ultimately answer the prayer. And that doesn't have to be in an answer of, you know, physically providing something. It can just be in becoming more and more like Christ. And maybe our faith is growing. And so I think that's one thing that we've learned through this process. And it is so hard in the moment when everything has been taken away, when people are offering, hey, how can I help? It's hard to accept the help. I think Sarah and I have been in the position enough where we've been humbled enough and we've been stripped down enough where we're now able to to accept that. We don't see it as something that is too hard to even ask for at times. I guess I would just see that as a point of trying to encourage that it has played a, a such a pivotal role in our growth and in our ability to see Christ through the community of believers around us. And it's really just been a beautiful way of just seeing how the grace has been flowing through just the, the arms and, and the legs of those that are reaching out to us and praying for us and, and helping us in many tangible ways. Jeff, just to build off of that question real fast, was there ever a time where you actually felt an aversion to seeking out Christian community for support in terms of, you know, wanting to keep your particular trials, maybe just between you and Sarah, not necessarily inviting others into the burdens that you were experiencing. But did you ever wrestle with that temptation to, to kind of isolate and withdraw from Christian community? Yeah, definitely. You know, that is, that is one of the hard things. And especially as if you don't see someone enough, long enough period of time, and if it's just on a Sunday morning, you know, as you're passing by and you say hello, and how are you doing, just, it's so easy to give that pat answer of, I'm fine, everything's great, yeah, how are you? And so, you know, getting past that first level of 
let's dig in and things are really tough right now and being vulnerable. So it, it does bring up in me kind of the, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to keep putting on, oh man, here's another thing that happened this week that just has knocked our, our legs out from underneath us. And, you know, we are really in a hard place right now because you almost start to think that the person that we're speaking to, maybe they, they don't want to hear this again. And so there's that fear of we're, we're just putting too much on them. And so there's a balance to that, that we need to, you know, seek and be diligent about knowing that we're not just pouring everything on, you know, the, our friends around us or on the body of Christ, but that at the same time, we can withdraw too much and isolate where that also is very harmful to our own relationship and also to how uh, Christ wants to work through the means of his fellow believers. Uh, around us. So I think that's something that it has been a uh, a struggle for us at times, certainly, um, to, to see that we are not trying to add on, or maybe someone can't walk alongside of us. But being prayerful in that and asking God to surround us with those individuals that can walk and have a desire to walk alongside of us. And it's not going to be everyone. It's not going to be all your friends that you may have had at one point. But I really think there's going to be, you know, those those small few uh, people that you can pour out your heart to, and they are ready and they are willing to walk alongside side you and, and pray through that with you and, and be there as your your strength and continue to encourage you. Well, we've got time for one more question here on the Hope and Help podcast. So I would like to invite you both to do something that I ask every guest on the show to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. So I guess we'll have ladies first, Sarah, if you'll answer, (laughs) and then Jeff, you can answer after her. There may be someone listening to this podcast who is currently in the midst of a painful trial in their marriage. Perhaps they resonate with what we've been talking about, but they are not sure if their relationship can weather the storm. What would you say to this person to encourage them to cling to Jesus and their spouse despite their present circumstances? Oh, goodness. I wish I could read about 50 different verses right now. (laughs) But since I can't, there's one thing that has stuck out to me so often as I read through Romans 4. There's a couple different, but 4 and 5. You know, when you think about your marriage or maybe you're going through a circumstance that we often can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We don't know the end of the story. So we don't know the end of how will our circumstances play out? How will my relationship with my spouse be going forward? We don't have those answers. We do have the promises of God though. And so we can't base our hope in the relationship we desire with our spouse. We want to pursue it, but we can't put our hope in that. We want to pursue bettering our our circumstances if we can, but again, we can't place our hope in that because those are not promises that we are given. And so I love in Romans 4, 18, it was talking about Abraham and when he had been given the promise by God that Sarah would have a child, but she was far beyond the ability to do so. So the circumstances looked impossible. And it says, in hope, he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. And then for a little further down, it says, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. 
And so my encouragement to you would be to take your eyes off of what you think you need in your circumstances and to take your eyes off of what you think you need from your spouse and to turn them to the promises that God has given you because that is the only foundation that will be unshakable. And to start there and go into God's word every day, I would encourage you to make that a priority that may look different for everybody, but right now to take your eyes off of the things that seem impossible and to look at what God's word gives you and what seems hopeless, that you can actually grow in faith and in confidence by giving glory to God that you believe he will show himself faithful even though right now you may not see how that might happen. And to rehearse that to yourself, I can believe in the hope I have of Christ, even against the hope that seems impossible right now. The earthly hope feels like that's just, there's nothing I can hold on to. But I have the hope of Christ that helps me continue to press on. And that that means no matter where your relationship is with your spouse, there's always hope there too. That you may not have the ability to control what happens, but you do have the ability to pray and to ask the Lord to do a mighty work and to ask him to give you the wisdom as to how best to walk alongside your spouse and to ask him to grow your relationship to be one that honors him and that can be filled with the joy and the things that he has, he desires to give us in relationship. So that would be my encouragement just to remember that nothing is ever hopeless while we are still here, while Christ is at work. Similarly, to kind of follow up and piggyback on that, I think one of the things that I would want to encourage your listeners uh, is just the importance of acknowledging, acknowledging your pain and what you're going through. And we're all going through many different changes and different struggles. If I can just encourage you to take that pain and that confusion and all those questions directly to Christ. And that is just the, the beautiful thing that we see throughout Job and throughout the Psalms and the Lamentations is what the Bible calls lament. And that we don't get stuck just in our complaining and just let it sit there and, and in our own minds, but that we truly are bringing our, our deepest questions and it's that spiritual complaining, but then letting that lead us through the scripture and time in God's word and in prayer letting that lead us back to trusting in him. So it, this process of lamenting really gives us a way to um, have all those thoughts and feelings that are in us and give them kind of that exit ramp and point us back to Christ. And so I would just encourage you that how important it is to keep talking to him, not turn your back and not take your fears and, and what is going to happen next to him because he wants to hear those things. He wants us to bring that to him, and much like we need to also, after that, bring that to our spouse and keep that communication open. So biggest thing, I guess, I would just want to leave them with your, your listeners is to continue to open up the Word of God, and even if it's nothing else, just start with the words of what you're struggling with and say, Lord, help me. Let that build each day. And hopefully then, as time goes by, that can become more and more of a prayer that gets into more and more of transparency of your heart before God, letting that lead you back to trust and growing you in your faith.
Thank you both so much for sharing those words of encouragement. I want to give you the opportunity, if there is someone listening today who wants to connect with you guys online, where can they go to find you? Um, Yeah, so I would first probably suggest you can go to, we have a main page that's actually connected to our book. Um, It's just togetherthroughthestorms.com, and that um, has a little bit more information. It has, I think, a connection to my blog, possibly, but it has a book trailer on there, so you get a little more of our story and um, various information off of that. There's a three-day devotional on version there. And then I also write a blog at setapart.net, and you can definitely find more things there that also have connections to other places as well. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank Thank you you. for having us and letting us share. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.